This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI TV. Good morning. It's Thursday, September the 8th, 2022. Welcome to Now with Dave Brown, coming to you on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown. Let's hit the horns and go! Coming up on the show today, Bobby Jensen will tell you all about AMI's new TV fitness show, Healthy at Home. Looking forward to talking to Bobby about this one. As you know, your boy likes to work out at home. And I want to see if I can get some tips from Bobby. Stuff that might not even have made it on the show. We'll also introduce you to our newest community reporter, Blaine Deutscher from Regina, Saskatchewan. And Sean Priest of Double Tap will highlight some of the newest gadgets revealed at last night's Apple September event. Lots coming your way today, including the Accessibility Story Roundup, and Sylvia Fiquettes will join us at the end of the show as well. But let's begin with our top story of the day. The chief of James Smith Cree Nation is set to speak the day after a suspect in a deadly stabbing rampage died in police custody. Kelly Malone has the story. Miles Sanderson went into medical distress and died shortly after being arrested Wednesday. He was wanted on charges including first-degree murder after attacks that left 10 people dead and 18 injured on Sunday. Most of the victims were from the James Smith Cree Nation, and the community has been on edge and in grief since the stabbings. Chief Wally Burns is scheduled to speak in the community this morning. He'll be joined by other First Nations leaders, representatives of the RCMP, and federal ministers. Kelly Malone, the Canadian Press, James Smith Cree Nation. Let's turn to cost of living. The federal government will increase the GST rebate for lower-income Canadians. Karen Rebo has more. Cabinet ministers are gathering ahead of the fall sitting of Parliament with the economy and the cost of living crisis top of mind. Two federal sources tell the Canadian press the plan will aim to double some GST payments for six months, include help for Canadians struggling to pay rent, and launch the first step of a national dental care program. A one-time Canada housing benefit top-up and phasing in a national dental care program were pledged in April's budget and are key demands from the NDP and its its confidence and supply agreement with the Liberals. Karen Rebo, the Canadian Press. Uh, Karen mentioned the NDP, so let's hear from their leader, Jagmeet Singh, saying he will use the upcoming sitting of Parliament to push the Liberals to move on dental care for children before the end of the year, as laid out in the deal between the two parties. What we force this government to do is to make sure that kids under 12 can have their teeth looked after by the end of this year. That's what we're going to force them to do. Uh, we are very confident that that's going to be achieved. But we have tools and there will be repercussions if uh, that is not achieved. But we're very confident that will happen. We've been in constant contact. We've been working throughout the summer to force this government to deliver on this. Jagmeet Singh met with his caucus for a retreat in Halifax and discussed his plans to address affordability in the upcoming sitting of Parliament. Let's look abroad. While we're talking about cost of living, the European Central Bank is set to join the U.S. Federal Reserve and Bank of Canada in hiking interest rates in an attempt to rein in inflation. Karen Chamis has that story. 
The meeting of the bank's governing council will focus on whether to raise interest rates by half a percentage point or by an unprecedented three-quarters of a point. The bank made its first increase in 11 years at its last meeting in July, raising rates by a half point when it usually changes by only a quarter point. The ECB had at one point predicted no rate increase for this year. However, in the face of record inflation of 9.1% last month, the bank has torn up all its old plans. The surge in inflation has been driven by skyrocketing prices for natural gas. I'm Karen Chamas. Coming back to the Bank of Canada, raising interest rates by three quarters of a percent yesterday, the head of the C.D. Howe Institute, William Robson, says the Bank of Canada is indicating that costs remain in fluctuation. They are still in uh, forward guidance mode, and that may be because they are concerned that their credibility on inflation has taken a hit. The key interest rates in Canada stands at 3.25%. One more story that emerged yesterday out of the federal cabinet retreat in Vancouver. Canada's major telecom companies have reached a formal agreement to ensure and guarantee emergency roaming and other mutual assistance in case of a major network outage. Federal Industry Minister... François-Philippe Champagne says there's, this is only a first step. Uh, we're not going to rest. Uh, trust me, uh, uh, we're going to hold them accountable and take any measures we can to strengthen uh, resiliency. The formal agreement comes after the Rogers network outage on July the 8th that affected millions of Canadians, including this Canadian and this show. Let's get to our daily polls. Accessible Media is where you find us on Twitter. Accessible Media Inc. is where you find us on Facebook. That's what you punch into your search bar and you'll track us down. Yesterday, we were asking you back-to-school-related questions. The result's not in my script. Eliza, I need to borrow your eyesight to read this off the screen for me. Of course, Dave. So, Hanging with Friends uh, was 43%. New School Supplies, 14%. New teachers, 0%. Oh, nobody Sorry, likes their teachers. teachers. <laughs> and then new uh, school activities is 43%. Right on, Eliza. Thank you for that. I always appreciate having a good set of eyes around this place for me. Today's daily poll, which you can find at Accessible Media on Twitter, Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. We're going to be talking to Bobby Jansen about this in just a couple of minutes about working out at home and AMI's new fitness show based out of home workouts. Where do you, where do you, oh my gosh, <laughs> I put a typo in here, but where do you get most, where do you do, where do you do most of your exercise? Sorry, the wheels are spinning now and I'm out of control. Where do you do most of your exercise? At home, at the gym slash studio, outdoors, or I don't exercise. As I've told you a bunch of times during the course of the pandemic, I think I spent my life savings on some uh, workout equipment, some dumbbells and some resistance bands and a fitness ball and a mat because uh, things got a little bit out of control the first couple months of the pandemic and then gyms were open and then they were closed and they were opened and then they were closed. And even though there's a gym in my building, didn't always feel super comfortable going down there when, you know, Certain variants were spinning around, and I can tell you for a fact, ventilation, not particularly great in that gym. So I'll still do a little bit of working out at that gym. You know, get a little cardio in there on the machines, on the bike, or the elliptical, or gosh forbid, sometimes hop on the treadmill and embarrass myself. I remember when I used to be able to run for 30 straight minutes on a treadmill. We are, we are not there anymore. Things are not quite as uh, fluid. In that front, there's more sweating and more panting and not quite as much cardio. But I would say 
I'm doing most of my workouts at home right now. I still have those dumbbells, which are super useful, have those resistance bands, which I've rigged up and found a lot of different routines to utilize. And, you know, you do a sit up here, a sit up there, and that's how you build those uh, washboard abs that I'm working towards. Eliza Rocco. Thank you for using your eyes before, but now tell me about your muscles. Where do you get your exercise these days? Well, over the course of the pandemic, um, I lived in quite a large house, luckily. And so I was able to do workouts at home and I had a lot of space and room for it. But I recently moved to a very, very tiny condo. As is the Toronto way. As it is. Um, but luckily for me, I have a gym in my condo. So I now uh, go to the gym and it's really, really great. But I still do some home workouts. So it's a, it's a balance of the two. Yeah, it's a really nice perk to have a building gym. Not all building gyms are created equal. Is yours nice? It's nice. It's a little small. There's three treadmills, and um, I am a my run is very embarrassing. Like I, I have one of the worst runs known to man. Oh, so I embarrass myself in the treadmill when, daily. When you say bad run, you mean your gait is weird? Like yeah, your, your like I have a bad. Yeah, I have a bad posture when I run. I don't know what it is, but I look ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous. So I, I don't, don't run I'm outside don't for that to, reason. I don't mean to laugh at Please you. Please laugh at me. No, okay. You would laugh at me if you saw it. I swear. <laughs> I think you would laugh at me on the treadmill too with the uh, very quick panting and sweating that takes place yeah there's there's something about a nice building gym my building's gym is not nice in fact half the equipment's broken but it's fine it's fine just as long as you get a little bike ride in there and a little elliptical here and there and then do some heavier lifting with the heavy dumbbells which actually are mine they're my power block dumbbells but i uh I donated those to the gym when so I moved kind. in, which I regretted. It's like right as soon as the pandemic started, I was like, what would it look like if I went back into the gym and <laughs> took my own dumbbells out? How awkward will this be? And I, I chose I chose waspy awkwardness mm -hmm. uh, ahead of actually, you know, health and wellness. <laughs> so Probably for the best. Yeah, that's how it goes. It's I how do, it goes. I do like working out outside as well, like going for a nice bike ride or, I mean, I can't run outside as, as we said. It's embarrassing. <laughs> but a nice bike ride outside is like the best way to work out for me. One of my good lawyer friends in Vancouver used to do a boot camp at a park near his office during some lunch hours. And I always thought that was a nice idea. Now, of course, their law firm has like showers and like a oh, proper right. locker room when they actually come <laughs> back to the office. Uh, we do not have that around yeah. around these neck of the woods. So there's there's to be no boot camping in the middle of the uh, of the Don Mills Plaza. Yeah, I, don't I, I, I would not wish that upon anyone from <laughs> me working out during lunch and coming back. Maybe by the fountain somewhere here in the middle of the Don Mills Plaza. So where people walk their dogs, but that that's a little too central and the sun kind of beats down in there. So no, no dice, no yeah, dice. No. Let's bring in Alex Smythe to get his thoughts on this one. Alex, I know uh, you made the move towards home during the course of the pandemic. What about the exercise routine? Where did that go? Yeah, so like you guys, I had a gym in my, my apartment building when I was living in Toronto before the pandemic. And I, I was never all that consistent with working out uh, pre-pandemic. I always wanted to, and then... You know, you do it for a couple of weeks and then uh, you take one day off and one day turns into five days, turns into five months. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, when, when I got uh, when I moved back home at the beginning of the pandemic, I kind of made it in emphasis. It's like, OK, you know what? This is going to be really good just for, uh, you know, mental health, physical health, just keeping grounded, especially in the early days of the pandemic when people really stayed home all the time, didn't really know what to do with themselves. So. Um, I, I had a few things at home that I could use, like these old dumbbells and stuff. They were sand filled. Little did I know sand had been trickling out uh, for, for years. So 
what I thought was 20 pound uh, dumbbells ended up probably being more like 10, but uh, <laughs> uh, I invested in uh, a pair of uh, kettlebells oh, yeah. and also we, we got a, a rowing machine. Like we managed to find one after like the first like 10 months of the pandemic, which was like a godsend really, because everything, as you mentioned, was so expensive, all sold out because everyone was focused on trying to get at home gym equipment. So being able to find uh, a rowing machine, a good one that uh, we could buy, that that was huge. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've kind of gone off the uh, the workout regimen a bit over the last little while. I'm starting to get back into it now. So hopefully I can keep it up and get in good shape and uh, uh, go from there. Yeah, I, I do like going to the gym. I enjoy the gym. I enjoy, like, the space of the gym, especially a nice, clean, well-designed, well-run gym. There's really something to it. But if I could ever afford a house, which will never be in Toronto because prices are preposterous, but if I could ever afford a house, if I ever moved back to the colonies out there in Ottawa, I would t- totally be that person who turns their basement into a gym, a little recumbent bike, maybe a little adjustable bench, some nice dumbbells, maybe a little bar, maybe even a punching bag. I'm definitely one of those folks who would enjoy having a home gym if I could uh, afford it and then afford to have the space to put it all in. But I would need someone to assemble the stuff for me because uh, I would I would for sure end up strangling myself or hurting myself if I had to put the stuff together, as it were. Alex, stay right there because we're going to come back to you in a second. But I just want to remind folks, if they want to vote on this poll, Accessible Media on Twitter, Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook, or you can always send us emails, feedback at ami.ca, feedback at ami.ca, or you can give us a phone call, 1-866-509-4545, 1-866-509-4545. Let's go back to Alex Smythe, who has the National Weather Update. Here's your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Starting in St. John's, Newfoundland, it's mainly cloudy with a 60% chance of showers this morning and clearing this afternoon with a high of 16. In Halifax, Nova Scotia, it's a mix of sun and clouds and a high of 21. In Montreal, Quebec, sunshine and a high of 27. Ottawa, Ontario, same thing. It's sunny and a high of 27. Over in Toronto, Ontario, it's mainly sunny with a high of 26. Thunder Bay, Ontario, mainly sunny with clouds rolling in around noon in a high of 26. In Winnipeg, Manitoba, it's mainly cloudy and hazy with a chance of showers this morning with wind gusts up to 50 kilometers an hour in a high of 24. Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, a mix of sun and clouds this morning, then a risk of showers this afternoon with wind gusts up to 50 kilometers an hour and a high of 20. In Calgary, Alberta, it's a mix of sun and clouds with 60% chance of rain early this morning with possible thunderstorms late this afternoon and a high of 17. In Edmonton, Alberta, a mix of sun and clouds this morning with a 30% chance of thunder showers late morning and early afternoon and a high of 17. Yellowknife Northwest Territories, increasing cloudiness this morning with a 30% chance of showers. Wind gusting up to 50 kilometers an hour this morning and a high of eight. In Vancouver, BC, it's mainly sunny and a high of 21. And Victoria, BC, same thing, mainly sunny and a high of 21. So that was your AMI National Weather Report 
from Environment Canada. Thank you very much, Alex. We'll talk to you a little bit later in the show. But coming up next, you'll hear from Bobby Jansen. She'll tell you all about AMI-TV's new fitness show, Healthy at Home. Going to be clanging and banging, getting jacked. I'm actually going to suggest that to Bobby. Be like, hey, did you ever consider calling the show Jacked with Jansen? It might send the wrong message. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. We were just talking about healthy habits and healthy fitness routines in the first segment of the show. One of the reasons why we were doing that is because a new fitness program is coming to AMI-TV. Healthy at Home debuts on September 14th. Joining us now to tell you all about the show is the host and fitness instructor, Bobby Jansen. Hello, Bobby. Welcome to the show. Good morning, So, Bobby, I think Healthy at Home really does imply what the show is all about. But tell me a bit more about what you're hoping to accomplish with this show. I'm hoping that people can join in from wherever they may be. Like in a physical location, if they're at home, um, even in the office, as where I am right now. And just to meet them where they are physically as well. Sometimes it's difficult to get to a class. It's difficult to find that motivation. And it's nice to to be in your own space. Yeah, it's something that a lot of us picked up, I think, during the pandemic. But there were plenty of folks who liked working out at home even before, even before the pandemic hit. I'm curious what kind of techniques or what kind of routines you're hoping to help people run through that will both be inclusive but also maybe a little bit challenging. Well, we have a little bit of everything, and that was that was so much fun to put together. Um, our target is basically the whole body, and some of the episodes will hone in on a particular part. Um, for an example, I am a cane user, a white cane user, and as well as I have a guide dog. So some of the issues that arise in my everyday life are overuse and repetitive strain, um, So training some of those muscles to prevent those injuries and just create overall strength as well as give the viewers a bit of a challenge and the modifications that we all might need. I want to talk a little bit more about your experience in just a moment, but I know sometimes we don't quite get to control the branding of our shows on this network. For example, I didn't want to call the show now with Dave Brown. I was pitching hot cakes and hot takes with Dave Brown or 50 shades of Dave. Did you ever consider calling the show getting jacked with Jansen or clanging and banging with Bobby? (laughs) No, but those are great ideas. (laughs) Um, When they came to me with the, the idea of healthy at home, it just, it spoke to me because that is where I know I find myself a the most comfortable and B I do have the time to do my routines at home. So it it just really, 
It hit the nail on the head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm being a little facetious here. I'm just teasing. I, I know our <laughs> folks in the Marcom department do uh, do great work. Bobby, tell me a bit about your background. How did you become interested in becoming a fitness instructor? Oh, goodness. Well, I've been in the fitness industry for over 20 years now. Um, as I started to lose more of my vision, so I had progressive degenerative vision loss, and it's from birth. After my second daughter, I started to lose more, more and more sight. And I know I needed a career change. And fitness had never really been on my radar because as someone with vision loss, I never found it accessible or found the right person to show me what I needed to do. And at one point, somebody told me, you know, I developed a strong interest in yoga and, and they said, you, you can't teach your, your visually impaired, um, a career in fitness is not for you. And telling me that I can't do something is like the biggest fire ever. And I thought, you know, this is, this is something I enjoy and it's something I believe I could share. So I started pursuing the certifications and the different paths to get all my fitness certifications and be where I am today. So it was an excellent driving factor and having that, that love for sharing fitness for people of all ages and all abilities is, mm. is definitely who I am. Yeah. It's, it's something that is really important. I uh, am quite out of shape right now, but I am someone who does believe in the importance of fitness. I took up bodybuilding in my late teens and early 20s and to this day still do a little bit of working out I, I don't mean to dwell on the pandemic but it certainly was something of a, a fitness setback but it did teach us about working out at home and how we can develop routines that are effective simple inclusive what do you think you learned about working out at home during the course of the last couple of years wow first of all you got to make sure that your guide dog isn't Gassy, that's huge. Otherwise, <laughs> you want him in the other room. <laughs> um, that's that's a whole different kind of hot yoga, right there. Exactly, but just having I'm able to explore a variety of workouts in a, a safe and controlled environment because I know my surroundings. I'm able to go at my own pace, and I found that I I really enjoyed it. My family can join in or not. It's just opened a whole new world plus it takes out the element of travel or uneasy walking into unease walking into a new new facility and having to learn that and learn all the equipment it's it is efficient and i find it to be um i've really grown to enjoy it especially over the pandemic we have just under a week until the show debuts on AMI-tv. I know for a fact there's going to be some viewers watching today or listening to the podcast later today who are certainly interested in taking part in this show. Is there anything they should be preparing themselves for with the next six days? Maybe grabbing a yoga mat. I see some of the visuals they're showing. Have you on a yoga mat? Maybe some small dumbbells, resistance bands. Is there anything that a potential viewer and potential joiner, I'm going to call them joiners because they're going to be joining you in this routine. Is there something they should be doing in the next six days to get themselves or their space ready to join you? We try to keep it simple because not all of us have uh, equipment lying around at home. And I know there was a definite shortage over the pandemic. So oh, yeah. all, of the ex <laughs> <laughs> all of the exercises can be done with just your own body and its resistance. 
I use the yoga mat because it allowed me to know exactly where my space was and it's a bit more comfortable for me. But as long as you have a safe, open space, that is the main the main focus of what you would need. Um, if you have a slippery surface, you're going to want to wear shoes or go barefoot. And I always recommend having some water nearby. But other than that, there's nothing you need to do to prepare but join in and have fun because I know I sure sure had a lot of fun doing this. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm sure there's a lot of folks who are really looking forward to uh, taking part in this. It's such a it's such a value added when our network can offer up these kinds of shows for uh, for people. Bobby, if you don't mind, I want to ask you just a couple more questions about fitness more generally because I think what, what really trips people up early on is just finding that consistent motivation. Do you have some advice on helping people maybe get on track there for those first three or four weeks? The first step and the most important step is, is showing up. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I always recommend, you know, if you're starting a new program, get some guidance from your medical practitioner, if you're starting something brand new, but that first step, and it is the hardest step is showing up. Even if you're joining in and just want to listen to start to see where we're at, that's fine. You've made the most important step. But as far as that, it it seems to steamroll <laughs> once you get started and find something you enjoy. It makes it that much easier. I never do something that I hate. Uh, except for perhaps donkey kicks. I don't love them, and I do do them. But <laughs> that's, that, that's why I stopped doing burpees. I was like, I don't like this anymore. This, this hurts. Well, we do talk you through burpees, so I hope you join in and, and give it a try. That's, we do have some different stages. <laughs> that's, what I'll, that's what I'll do my water breaks. I'll take my water breaks during the burpees. Strategic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Bobby, I think you're you're right on to something there. Consistency is really important. So oftentimes now, especially on social media, you get a lot of these fitness influencers who are really pushing intensity, intensity, intensity. And I think although if you want to sort of look like a model, sure, intensity is important. But sometimes I find that advice to be so kind of not maybe dangerous isn't the right word. But when you talk about intensity, that's going to dissuade a lot of people from staying consistent. Fitness should not be scary. The unknown is always a little bit, (laughs) you know, up in the air, but it should not be scary. And I hope to take that element out of it and break down some things that we can all join whatever stage we're at and, and progress. So that first step of just showing up, that's, that's where we're at. Well, Bobby, we're so grateful that you could make some time for us today. Congratulations on putting the show together, launching the first season. I know everyone is really excited about next Wednesday, the 14th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So thank you for making time for us today and keep up all the great work. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure. Take care. That is Bobby Jansen, the host of Healthy at Home, which debuts next Wednesday, September the 14th at 8 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. But don't forget, if you miss it live, that's okay. You can find it at ami.ca as well as the AMI-tv app. So there you go, on-demand exercise. And uh, I'm going to send a message to marketing about uh, changing the name for next season, getting jacked with Jansen. It seemed like Bobby was interested in that. Coming up next, I've got the Accessibility Story Roundup, a report about how students with disabilities are being excluded at BC schools. But first, here is Canadian press reporter Karen Rebo with your Morning Business Minute.
Canada's main stock index closed up along with American markets yesterday, despite the Bank of Canada's unsurprisingly hefty three-quarter point hike in its key interest rate. Toronto's TSX index gained 153 points yesterday to close at 19,241. New York's Dow Jones average rose 435 points. In Tokyo this morning, the Nikkei index surged 634 points, and our dollar is trading overseas this morning higher at 76.16 cents U.S. New air passenger protection regulations go into effect today. The update comes as the Canadian Transport Agency tries to close a loophole in the 2019 version that left some passengers unable to secure cash refunds after pandemic-related flight cancellations. Starting today, airlines must issue a full refund for cancellations and delays if passengers are not placed on a new flight within 48 hours, including for reasons outside of the airline's control. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Karen Rebo. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. We're going to uh, share a few more news stories about climate and energy in a couple of minutes. But first, I have the Accessibility Story Roundup. (laughs) This story was written by Courtney Dixon of CBC. Exclusion of students with disabilities is on the rise, according to a new report from the BC Ed Access Society, a registered nonprofit that advocates for children with complex needs. The report looks at incidents of exclusion reported by parents of students with disabilities. That can be anything from having a shortened school day to having inclusive lessons to not being invited on field trips. The society gathered data for the report through an online reporting tool where parents filled out a survey about their experiences. According to the chairperson of BC Ed Access, Nicole Kaler, more than a quarter of the reports that they received were students who were not who were asked not to attend school at all. There were 54 reports of gradual entry or being asked to keep their child home due to a lack of support in September 2021, resulting in a total of 340 days of school missed by 54 students that month. The society found that during the 2020-2021 school year, there were an estimated 4,376 incidents of inclusion, and this past school year in 2021-2022, there were 4,760 cases of exclusion, an increase of about 9%. Education Minister Jennifer Whiteside said this past week that although she has not seen the report herself, her staff are reviewing it. The ministry has been working on guidelines around how to include students with complex needs. Whiteside said it will be made available when it's complete, but staff are still working on it. Certainly, it's a story that we bring to you on occasion. We try to talk about education when we can, but when we're talking about that much exclusion for students with complex needs, again, it speaks to some systemic barriers. And one of the things that are being factored in here is, oh, we just don't have staff to deal with it. Well, that funding is supposed to be there. That that staff is supposed to be there. What is going on that we're not having appropriately staffed programs for students with complex needs. 
And it seems like this is trickling down everywhere, whether it be students with complex needs in the BC education system or people in Manitoba with disabilities trying to get at-home care, having not adequate staffing or not adequate staffing in emergency rooms or long-term care homes and emergency rooms. Why is that? I think fundamentally that's the question we have to be asking ourselves. Why is there a lack of staffing? And certainly there was a population bomb that we knew was going to go off the second the baby boomer generation entered the workforce. And we're now at the point where baby boomers are leaving the workforce. We knew this was happening. We had this sense. This was clear. Why didn't we do anything about it? Part of it, of course, is just offering appropriate salaries for the work. The work is hard work. It's rewarding work, but it's hard work. So the salaries aren't there. The staff in training isn't there. And we're dealing with staff shortages. And at the end of the day, that's trickling down to an impact on people, to the frontline individuals who are supposed to be receiving these services. It really makes you wonder what we've been doing for 15 years. Right? People can blame the pandemic. People can blame inflation. What have we been doing for 15 years to adequately ensure there would be a transition? We're looking at the Ontario colleges and, and their nursing programs. I'm going to share a news story about the agreement that was reached between the provinces and the colleges to try and frame policy to get internationally trained nurses ready and through the college program faster. Again, that's great. Where was that seven years ago? Right? How do we not understand that people were going to age out of the workforce? Whether or not that was catalyzed by a global pandemic, whether or not that's been catalyzed by low wages in the midst of inflation, where was the planning here? Whether you're an ndp a liberal, a conservative, whether it's provincial, whether it's federal, where was the planning? Where was the planning at the college level? Where was the planning at the university level? Why weren't med schools increasing the number of students who were getting into med school 15 years ago? We know it takes like nine to 10 years to train a doctor. You can't do these things last minute. It's preposterous. And this is why it really feels like when we talk about austerity and institutional lack of trust, it's because nobody has foresight and nobody has guts. That's the problem with our current system. Nobody has foresight, nobody looks ahead, and nobody can communicate what it is to look ahead. And then where do we find ourselves in the summer and fall of 2022? A health system that appears to be ailing substantially, people with disabilities being left out, and people having unaffordability all over their lives. Because nobody thinks ahead. Speaking of thinking ahead, let's get to some news stories that regard to climate change. And we'll begin across the Pacific Ocean in Australia, where that country is taking steps to fight climate change. Tom Rivers has the details. Australia's Senate has voted to ensure the government's elevated target of reducing greenhouse gas emissions by 43% below 2005 levels by the end of the decade. Climate and Energy Minister Chris Bowen. What we've seen is 10 years of underinvestment in, invest in renewable in in energy and in electricity generation. That's what the Act is all about, sending the message to investors that Australia is open for business. He says the measure provides certainty for clean energy investors while strengthening transparency and accountability in Australia's carbon reduction program. Tom Rivers, ABC News at the Foreign Desk. While politicians talk, the earth continues to battle. Hurricane Kay 
lashed Mexico's Baja California Peninsula with wind and rain as authorities opened shelters and closed roads. Forecasters said there was a chance the outer bands of this big storm could bring heavy rain to parts of scorched Southern California and southwestern Arizona Friday and Saturday. ABC News' chief meteorologist Ginger Z reports from Anaheim, California. As it makes its way along the West Coast, it's going to put up enough moisture that not only will we get cloud cover, cooling by the weekend, but even some rain. And some of that rain for, say, Palm Springs or even here to Anaheim could come very quickly. Flash flooding could be an issue. That's one of the important sides of this. That's what we just saw in Texas and Mississippi after a heat wave that stretched for about a month and a half. They got significant rain, and then they got flooded out in a big, big way. So that's one of the concerns about here. It's not just that there's going to be wet weather on the West Coast and in those scorched areas, but whether or not those areas can actually absorb the rain. Kay's winds are currently gusting up to 370 kilometers per hour. Let's talk a little bit more about what's happening in California. Operators at California's electricity grid say a miscommunication led to utilities mistakenly cut power to several cities during the demand on energy supplies this week. Ben Thomas explains. This has been historic, unprecedented, record-breaking week. Governor Gavin Newsom. We thought would be done by now. Californians have been cranking air conditioning to escape the withering heat, snapping the record for energy use. Grid operators issued an emergency alert Tuesday afternoon to prepare for rotating outages if demand didn't ease. But they say a dispatcher misinterpreted the message and instead immediately initiated shutdowns in half a dozen cities. The emergency conservation message went to cell phones and did have an immediate effect, however, reducing the strain on the grid. As for what's ahead, Newsom says... We'll start seeing some cooling on Saturday and Sunday, but over the next two days, uh, we're still going to have to be mindful. Sound courtesy, ABC7 Los Angeles. I'm Ben Thomas. Then let's go across the Atlantic, where France is looking into ways to help Germany deal with a potential energy crisis, and as the Lectura takes a closer look. French officials saying they've decided to reactivate a disused pipeline in the Northeast so as to send Germany natural gas under a new energy deal. This comes as Russia has drastically reduced gas flows to the European Union in the aftermath of the war in Ukraine. Moscow announcing just days ago that it would indefinitely suspend all gas flows to Germany and the EU via the Nord Stream 1 gas pipeline. In Esdalekwaterra, ABC News, Paris. So that's a look at climate and energy. Coming up next, we'll introduce you to our newest community reporter, Blaine Deutscher, from Regina, Saskatchewan. But first, we'll talk a little bit more about new Apple products with Sean Priest later in the show. But in Tech Trends, Alex Stone has more on the iPhone 14. Apple dropping the iPhone 13 mini in favor of the new iPhone 14 Plus. So what the iPhone 14 Plus denotes is not that you're getting a more powerful phone, but that you're getting a larger version of the base iPhone 14. Gizmodo's Michelle Earhart says the base phones are joined by two high-end pro models. The pros boast camera improvements and lose a selfie camera notch in favor of a punch-out design. So you get a little bit of screen space above it, which wasn't on the base model, but it also has a sort of virtual black box around it that can expand to show off your notifications. And all iPhone 14s come with emergency SOS, which Apple says uses satellites to let you text emergency services even without Wi-Fi or cell service. With Tech Trends, I'm Alex Stone, ABC News.
Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. We continue our series of saying hello this week by introducing you to one of our new community reporters. Blaine Deutscher joins us from Regina, Saskatchewan. Hey, good morning, Blaine. Welcome to the team. Morning, Dave. How are you today? I'm doing well, Blaine. You and I had a chance to chat the other day, and we chatted a little bit about sports, a little bit about some other stuff, but of course the good people across Canada didn't get the opportunity to be part of that phone call. So let's uh, talk a little bit about who Blaine is, what makes you tick and uh, what you hope to talk about and bring to the show. Well, as, as you alluded to, we talked sports. I'm a huge sports fan. Um, I actually play uh, on the Canadian blind hockey teams. Um, So you might've for the viewers, they might've, uh, Heard my voice mentioned with uh, Mike Ross and a few of the other guys. So um, you'll see me at the tournaments that our Canadian Blind Hockey puts on. Um, I have a seeing eye dog, um, a male shepherd named Oscar. Um, I just, I like to do a lot of different things. I volunteer. I uh, play many different sports. And yeah, I'm just... I'm all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Not listen. We are, we are, uh, we are jacks of all trade in this world, and we do a lot of different things. Blaine, I'm curious about some of the stuff you do with the Canadian Federation of the Blind and the and the NFB in the states. What kind of stuff are you doing with them? Um. So one of the like, we're kind of getting started. I'm. They've been around for a while, but uh, um. One of the huge projects that we're doing is working alongside them and we're developing a training center similar to the NFB's ones. Um, so a nine month inverse immersive training program. Uh, and they just actually opened their first one here in September on Bowen Island. So um, there's there's a waiting list right now, but that's one of the big things. And um, we're, we're growing. So we're always looking for new members, but... Um, Obviously not as big as NFB right now, but we're we're growing. So, <laughs> hey, you got to start somewhere with these things. You've right. always got you've always got to start somewhere. Blaine, you mentioned that you're a guide dog user. We were talking to one of our community reporters in Winnipeg yesterday, who was talking about guide dog access and generally the people of Winnipeg being pretty chill. What's the vibe like in Regina when it comes to guide dog access? Honestly, it's it's really good. Um, I think a lot of it really helped with because CNIB when they got their guide dog program, uh, we were one of the first provinces to get the puppies, and so I really think it helped, kind of open those the eyes of people and, and realize that, you know, these aren't just pets, and so people have been quite uh, quite perceptive, and it's actually, I I moved from Calgary to Regina, and it's a lot better in a lot of ways than it was in Calgary. So it's, it's good. This uh, hardly surprises me, but you do some work as a fan ambassador with the sketch, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Surprise, surprise. Do, yeah. Somebody from Saskatchewan wants to talk about the Rough Riders. We never hear about that stereotype of holding true with folks out there in the prairies, but as a fan ambassador, what do you do in that role? I basically, the short answer is I, I help people find their seats. Um, we also do tours of the stadium um, and just answer questions about the stadium, about where people can find things. Um, 
obviously if anything arises that you know security is needed we're, we're kind of the first point of contact um and then we radio ahead to those people and uh but we're we're the we're the people who uh greet you at the gates we show you where things are and um help you find things if you're new when I was a younger man, I used to work as an ambassador for the Montreal Alouettes, but my job was to hand out the swag when people walked in the front door. So if there were pom-poms being given out that day or giant foam fingers, I was the guy at the door handing that stuff out. And I, uh, I loved doing that gig and it came with a couple free tickets and I always enjoyed hanging around Molson Stadium. And it's funny, as I went along further in my uh, university life, as I was working for McGill University's athletics department, I found myself once again working for the Alouettes on uh, game nights, but that was more uh, trying to direct traffic which was not as much fun as handing out foam fingers i'll tell you that much right now no it, it, it's always fun when you when you get swag to give away and and whatnot yeah we we do that as well and uh yeah it's 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 a lot of fun and i mean depending on if you're a gate agent and then you have season tickets you go sit and watch the game if you're i i work during the game so i'm at the top of the sections and I get to watch the game, and then if someone comes and asks questions, I answer their questions, and I yeah. watch the game. Let's talk a bit more about Mosaic Stadium, because it's considered the jewel of the Canadian Football League family. Sorry, Winnipeg, but but Mosaic, I think, <laughs> has you beat. Blaine, tell me a bit about the experience at Mosaic, but also some of the accessibility, both the positives and the benefits in regards to some of the features around the stadium. Well, being that it's it's new, one of the nice things that I like about it is with the old stadium, if you were on the east side and I was on the west side, I couldn't see you. Now, with the bowl in the bottom, you can walk around to the other side. Uh, if there's a restaurant you like on the north end zone or whatever, you can go grab food there and go back to your section. There's no, like, you're stuck on the east or the west or the north sides. So I really like that. Um, there's obviously plenty of elevators, lots of ramps, so people can go all over the stadium. Uh, and then at the top of most sections, they have the accessible seats uh, for people in wheelchairs and whatnot. But the one thing that I notice as a blind person is that they've got all the Braille signs and it's wonderful, but they're re recessed. So the washrooms you go down a hallway well and i did it the other game i went and walked down the hallway thinking it was the bathroom entrance and it was to one of the vendors booths first and so then i had to backtrack and it was fine with before the game but when you have 22,000 fans walking around and you go to the female washroom and then find out, whoops, I got to turn around. Well, you <laughs> yeah. got people coming towards you and it's just, <laughs> yeah. it, it just doesn't work. It's like, there's no space to turn around and really get out and whatnot. And uh, yeah, you can stop and ask questions and, but you know, it, you want to be independent and it'd be nice if they had something in the floor, um, to say, hey, if you turn here, like this is where the concessions are. This is the bathrooms. Uh, if you're trailing along the wall with a cane, find an entrance. Just reach up. Oh, hey, there's the sign. Yep, that's the men's bathroom. Um, the other thing I noted, 
and and I've never went down into the seats till the other day. Someone mentioned how they've got cup holders, and I thought I gotta check this out. Um, they've got rails, but they don't go all the way to the bottom. And a bunch of us volunteers even said like that isn't safe because you know you've got someone with balance issues, you've got someone who's had a few bevies. You climb four or five steps, you, there's a gap, and then you got a couple steps, and you got to find the rail, and and if it's noisy, it's disorientating. And I'm thinking, wow, like I'm fairly confident, but you got someone with balance issues, or like I said, had a few bevies, and uh, you got to find that, you know. And so that's that's a couple things, but they've got really great, like outside the stadium. All the gates are marked with, um, I think it's a yellow strip, and you can literally follow it right to the ticket office, right to the store, right to your gates. Um, but it, it'd be nice if there was some way of knowing, hey, this is this is a gate, not just an entrance into the seating area, mm-hmm. or this is where the concessions are. Um, but and yes, there the argument is there's apps like Be My Eyes or Ira. But not everyone has that, so it'd be nice to just independently do it. Yeah, not to mention when there's when there's thirty or forty thousand people around, yeah. the uh, reception for Ira or Be My Eyes is not going to work necessarily as well on your device. Yeah, Blaine, I think that that's that's something that people can relate to, right? That there oftentimes are accessibility features. And because a place has accessibility features, they'll label themselves as accessible. But there's a big difference between those two things. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Blaine, let's uh, just finish up by talking about a little bit of football here. I know uh, it's been maybe not the best year in uh, Rough Riders history as the West has been a little bit of a slog. But uh, what are your expectations and when's the next game? Uh, Next home game is September 16th at 7.30, 9.30 Eastern. Uh, Obviously, we play the Banjo Bowl on uh, this Saturday. I think it's 3 o'clock. I mean, it's, I don't even know what to expect with the latest announcement with them letting uh, uh, Marino go. Um, I, I like, I don't, it's going to be interesting. They've, uh, their defense is good. Offense, they need a little work, um, you know, but it's hard to say, like, will we cross over? Will we not make it this year? I'm excited to even just volunteer with the Great Cup this year. That's going to be a lot of fun. So um, I'm even the Grey Cup. I'm thinking Winnipeg's going to be in it for the West. I don't know who's going to represent the East, um, but uh, I don't know. A lot yeah. of people are giving up, but I'm. It's it's hard to say. I was I was just telling our sports reporter a few weeks ago how bummed I was when BC quarterback uh, Nathan Rourke had the Liz Frank injury in his foot because I was all in on Nathan Rourke. I was like, the CFL is back. Thanks to Nathan Rourke. And now Nathan Rourke's injured. And now I think it may just be NFL time for me, but Blaine, we got to get out of here. Have yourself a great day. Welcome aboard the show. We enjoyed chatting with you and we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dave. That is Blaine Deutscher, new community reporter for us in Regina, Saskatchewan. You can find out more about the stories we cover on this show by visiting our blog. It's a new address. It's ami.ca slash now. They figured let's make this easier for Dave. We'll shorten the address ami.ca slash now. So no more ami.ca slash now blog. It's ami.ca slash now. Let's share one more news story to wrap up the hour. 
This one coming to you from the business world. Cineplex says it remains focused on recouping the value of a judgment against Cineworld despite the bankruptcy filing by Cineworld in the U.S. Jason Nathanson takes a closer look. It's Chapter 11 for Cineworld, the company that owns Regal Cinemas in the U.S., second only to AMC in the number of movie theater screens it operates worldwide. Cineworld CEO Mookie Gradinger said in a statement that the pandemic was an incredibly difficult time for the business, and the British company is almost $5 billion in debt. Cineworld says it has enough money to keep running, and the Chapter 11 filing will help it shed debt in order to stay afloat. So for now, it's business as usual. The summer box office was off about 20% from 2019, the last non-pandemic affected year. Jason Nathanson, ABC News, Hollywood. Summer box office was off by 20%, but... Uh... We all did our parts by going to see Top Gun as many times as we could. Cineplex was awarded $1.24 billion in damages after Cineworld walked away in 2020 from its more than $2 billion deal to buy the Canadian theater chain. Cineworld has indicated that it believes the bankruptcy filing has stayed Cineplex's claim against the company. Lawyers are always staying busy. Coming up after the break, I've got the regional news update and Brock Richardson will stop by for a sports chat. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. It's Thursday, September the 8th, 2022. Coming up in the second hour of the show, Apple had their September event last night. Sean Priest of Double Tap will highlight some of the newest gadgets. And BC Hydro has plans to retrofit EV charging stations to make them more accessible. Sylvie Fiquette will fill you in on that story but let's begin the hour with the regional news update. BC Premier John Horgan says rental increases will be capped at 2% next year instead of the rate of inflation to help tenants with the rising cost of living. The province is also boosting the next climate action tax credit payment and BC's child opportunity benefit for low and moderate income residents in a move targeting those most in need. About 85% of people in BC are expected to benefit from the increase in the climate action payment, which the province estimates could be worth up to $1,500 a year for a family of four. And the BC family benefit will also rise by as much as $58.33 a month for each child under 18 years old. Another story out of BC, public service workers in British Columbia say they have reached a tentative contract agreement with the province. The BC General Employees Union says in a statement the proposed deal with BC's public service agency was reached after almost two weeks of limited job action and more than seven months of negotiation. The agreement covers 33,000 bargaining unit members working in direct government service. Let's bring you a fun story from the prairies. It's been a lot of sad and bummy stories from the prairies. Let's try to bring you a little bit of a quirky one. The Royal Aviation Museum of Western Canada has landed a new addition to its permanent collection. Air Canada has donated a Lockheed L-10A Electra to the museum to mark its 85th anniversary. The plane was one of the first aircraft in the company's fleet. It is the same model plane that Amelia Earhart flew when she tried to fly around the world in 1937. Let's 
move over to Ontario, where the Ontario government has given the province's nursing college the green light to proceed with regulatory changes that could get thousands more internationally trained nurses into practice more quickly to address staffing shortages. Health Minister Sylvia Jones directed the College of Nurses of Ontario last month to develop plans to more quickly register internationally educated professionals. The college proposed allowing internationally trained nurses to be temporarily registered while they go through the process of full registration, among other suggestions. Jones has now told the the colleges to draft those Amendments to regulations immediately and once approved by the government, the college should begin registering those nurses right away. Over to Quebec. I'm not giving you an election roundup this morning. Instead, I'm talking about COVID-19. Quebec's public health officials say the new COVID-19 vaccine that targets the Omicron variant will be available at vaccination centres starting today at noon. Public health director Dr. Luc Boileau Boileau says Quebecers will have a choice between the older generation vaccines and the new one, adding that he thinks people will favor the Omicron targeting bivalent shots. And finally, in Atlantic Canada, a new report says 50% of Nova Scotia's workers are earning less than required to meet their basic needs. The report released yesterday by the Nova Scotia branch of the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives says consumer prices in the province rose 9.3% between June of 2020 and June of 2021. It says weekly earnings failed to keep up, rising by just 4.1% over that period. The Policy Centre's director, Christine Solnier, is calling on the government to provide more direct support for workers to help lower costs for essentials such as food and housing that's your regional news update let's have a little bit of fun let's bring in brock richardson and have ourselves a sports chat Oh my goodness, Brock. We've got lots to get to here, including a preview of tonight's Thursday night football as the NFL season kicks off. But before we get there, let's start in the hockey world. Let's begin with the NHL, where there was a flurry of news yesterday. Tim Stutzla signs a long-term deal with the Ottawa Senators, eight years, over $8 million a year. Kirby Dock signs a deal with the Montreal Canadiens, three years at about $3.5 million a year. And then we also got some news out of Montreal saying Carey Price, their goaltender, their star goaltender, is now on long-term injured reserve. And Brock, this got you thinking about the health and wellness of athletes. So, yes. And I want to preface this by saying that I understand totally that the reason that Carey Price is on long-term injured list is because of a knee injury, which he had surgery on over the summer. However, Dave, I do believe this is deeper than that for Carey Price, as we've known that he's struggled with mental health and he didn't play a, a lot last year. He played the the last little bit of the season. Five games. But, Started but, five uh, games last year. <laughs> yeah, not very much at all. And for me, uh, as an athlete, I did struggle with uh, some mental stuff and towards the end of my career. And it is real. It is struggling with mental health in general is difficult, but struggling with it as an athlete, as you are expected to perform as Kerry Price is, would be challenging in and of itself. So for me, I think we all need to take a step back and realize that Kerry Price is going through things both physically and mentally. And I want to ask you, because I have some thoughts, but I'll let you go first on this one. Do you think we've seen Kerry Price for the last time in a Montreal Canadiens jersey. 
Wow, that's a big question that's floating a lot around uh, Montreal media and Montreal hockey fandom these days. It's going to be really tough for him when we're talking about the third operation on the lower body, the third procedure, the first couple have not taken without significant setbacks and swelling every time he plays. It's going to be really, really tough for him to get back. Not to mention Montreal is about to embark on a two to four year rebuilding retool that's going on. So even if he takes a year or two off, I think by then the team may have moved on. Now, if he wants to make a crack at it, he's probably earned my words to go to Las Vegas right now and plop down a wager. I would say Carey Price has started his last game for the Montreal Canadiens. What do you think? I think he started his last game for the Montreal Canadiens. I don't think you're going to see him in the jersey again. I believe that, that you know, if it wasn't for Carey Price and what he's given to the organization, I don't even think they would have started him the five games they did, but the, I think the organization felt, look, at we owe it to this guy. I don't think they owe him anything anymore. I think if if they decide to move on Montreal and their brasses are within their rights. The only question becomes, does he play in the NHL again? As you point out with his third lower body, lower body, lower body injury. As I try to speak English this morning, <laughs> oh um, man, I've been fighting that one today too. Don't worry, Brock. There's something in the air. It's uh, that's, it's tough. And I, the game is not going to be the same without someone like Carey Price. You know, I think of all the times he's represented Canada uh, at the Olympic Games, and and the game will be will be worse off without Carey Price. But he needs to focus on himself. Yeah. First and the injury troubles started in 2013. They manifested again in 2014. They flared up in late 2015, and pretty much the last five to seven years has been a real struggle on his health front. So yeah, that's the number one thing at this point. Hopefully, the guy can get healthy be with his family, be happy, and that's that's really what matters at this point. Brock, let's uh, pivot to some different hockey news. The scrutiny of Hockey Canada continues, including some reporting about some spending on some real estate in the Toronto area. Yes, so if we look at that, this news came out yesterday saying that Hockey Canada had a condo from 2010 to 2017. Now, the condo was to, quote, alleviate costs for directors traveling to and from Toronto, including the 2015 World Junior Hockey Championships. However, those World Junior Hockey Championships were not announced until three years after the condo. And so the uh, current uh, person on the board, the head of the board, says that she had no knowledge of this condo. So this is just another one of those things where Hockey Canada is in a heap of trouble and it was sold for profit, which is bringing up some questions of what was that profit used for? And yet again, Hockey Canada is in some deep water. Yeah, I think we can understand why an organization like Hockey Canada might want a foothold, want a stable place to keep executives, because there are lots of trips out to, out, out to Ontario for numerous reasons beyond just championships. But again, it comes down to disclosure, right? It comes down to being transparent. And when we're talking about condos could be hundreds of thousands of dollars in the Toronto area as families continue to report the expense of playing hockey. It's just, it's just more bad press, whether or not this is nefarious or terrible or illegal is probably to the side. 
it's just more bad optics and more bad press and seemingly an organization that is out of touch with its grassroots. And everything that's been already as covered up as it has been, I think that's, to your point, I think that's a lot of what people have been saying is it's not so much of why this is there, it's the optics and what it smells like. And trust me, it doesn't smell very good if you're (laughs) Hockey Canada right now. And I just also want to put out there, there was no condo uh, built in Montreal uh, when they said, well, we did this for the Toronto-Montreal thing. Yeah, well, you only did it in one of those two cities and you didn't announce it until three years after, as I previously mentioned. So the optics just kind of stink. And I don't know what Hockey Canada is in for, but everyone seems to be digging up every little thing that Hockey Canada is doing. And I'm happy to report on it. Although I'd like to come up with some, you know, good news coming out of Hockey Canada. But I think we're further away from that right now. Financial scrutiny is the next step in this, right? You've taken the PR hit. The next step is significant financial scrutiny and the organization certainly is going to be facing that as they try to uh, reapply for government funding and try to regain the, uh, I suppose the good faith of sponsors, it's going to be it's going to be a slog for them. There's no doubt about it. Brock, give me a quick thought here on what's going on with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the dismissal of a key player on their defense. Yeah, just give me a second. Let me roll to where that yeah, is. Yeah, I'm on sorry. My... Sorry, I'm jumping around on you, Brock. I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, the Rough Riders have released defensive lineman Garrett Garrett Mourinho after yet another hit on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Zach Kalaros. Uh, He's done this before. The CFL gave him a four-game suspension, and then the Rough Riders said, "Uh, no moss on this. We're going to release you. I think it's a good thing. He's done this to Jeremiah Masoli earlier this, this year. It was just a mess of a situation, and they've done a great thing by relieving him of his duties. Yeah, with football, there's an edge that players are expected to play with, but when they're perpetually going over the edge, that's when the regulators and the organization needs to step in, and that's just probably the way it goes. And it's uh, too bad for Saskatchewan's defense, but the point of playing a sport like football is you have to play physical to the whistle. As soon as you get to the the after-the-whistle stuff and the dirty nonsense, those are the kind of players you have to get out of the game because you could legitimately break somebody's spine break somebody's knee, end their career just like that. Protecting the players in an extremely dangerous sport is a balancing act, but anytime we're talking about after the whistle, that's where the league has to crack down. I'm okay with, you know, playing to that edge of of the line and kind of, you know, walking the line very carefully. It's, I've seen both of these hits that we've discussed. There's no line. Like, he went way over it on both both blindsided I just just not comfortable with it and it leaves me an icky feeling and you want to talk about the cfl struggling as we've often done this is the kind of pr the cfl just doesn't want and doesn't need at the same time <laughs> yeah speaking of football and the things that challenge the cfl the National Football League gets underway tonight. The behemoth that is the NFL has their first game of the season. The defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams de- playing, hosting the Super Bowl favorite Buffalo Bills. Brock, I have some specific thoughts about this game, but what are your general takeaways as we walk into this, this season opener? So, for one, as a Buffalo Bills fan, I don't like the take of Super Bowl favorites. That's, that's I, Las Vegas. That's not me. That's Las Vegas. It's... 
I know I it's it's Las Vegas. I get it, but I'm just like, yeah, I don't. I'm not sure I like this. Uh, I I am concerned about the Tre'Davious White uh, knee injury when you're looking at two rookie corners starting and kind of you know um, playing off of each other. This is a bit of a concern, especially with the opening game that we have. Uh, defense is good on both sides uh, for the ball here. Uh, Buffalo, you're looking at uh, Vaughn Miller. And for the Rams, you're looking at Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald says he's focused on the Buffalo Bills and is not focused on playing outside the lines, referring to the fight he had in the preseason. So we'll see how this goes, but it is going to be a battle. Um, both offensive lines need to give space to their quarterbacks and because if you want them to play and air the ball out as we think they're going to, you need to stop those uh, offensive lines to be able to get them in and give them space to throw the football because that is a big strength for both of these teams. There is a lot of talent in terms of the skill position for both of these teams tonight. The thing that I think gives Buffalo the edge here is although you mentioned rookie corners, one of the rookie cornerbacks, Kyer Elam, out of the University of Florida, this guy was the second fastest player going into the NFL draft. This guy has speed for days. So I don't know whether they're going to match him up against star receiver Allen Robinson. I don't know if they're going to match him up against star receiver Cooper Cup. But he's going to have his hands filled today. But the one thing he's got is that foot speed against a couple of receivers that are not exactly uh, afterburner speed guys. He can make a couple mistakes if those feet can get him out of trouble. So that's going to be a matchup to watch tonight. The other thing, Brock, you mentioned the pressure that Buffalo may be able to apply to the Los Angeles quarterback, Matt, uh, Matt Stafford. The thing about Buffalo is they've basically spent the last three drafts, the last three NFL drafts and free agencies, bolstering that defensive line, bringing in defensive tackles, bringing in defensive ends, Pass rush pressure is going to be what makes or breaks the Buffalo defense this year. And I think they put themselves in a good position to rotate seven or eight guys, keep guys fresh, especially early in the season when you get late into games under what's going to be a pretty hot situation in LA. Yes, there's some air conditioning in that SoFi stadium, but it is still open air and it is still hot as heck in California right now. I think that just the overall ability of young fresh players being rotated in and out are going to give Buffalo a big advantage, especially against a Rams team, Brock, that we talked about this last week, did not play a lot of their starters during the preseason. There might be a little bit of rust on those tires. I, I just mixed my metaphor. Yes, and that's that's true. And same with Josh Allen. I'm interested to see kind of what rust he has. And so we could see a, a first quarter where it's kind of like, you, what are we watching here? But because both teams have rested a lot of their players. So we'll see. But I am so looking forward to it. And you couldn't ask for a better start to the NFL season. And I will be up watching it and talking about it tomorrow with Mike Ross. That's right. Yeah, this game is going to be on uh, TSN tonight as well as uh, DAZN for those who subscribe to the online package for DAZN. It's uh, going to be a good one. Brock, I've got one more question for you relating to this game. Because both these teams lost their offensive coordinators during the offseason. Kevin O'Connell went to Minnesota to become their head coach. He was formerly the offensive coordinator in L.A. And Brian Daybald was the offensive coordinator in Buffalo, who's now the head coach of the New York Giants. In the case of Los Angeles losing O'Connell, their head coach, Sean, Mac uh, Sean Mac of McVeigh, is an offensively-minded head coach. So I don't know if there's going to be too much of a difficulty there. But in the case of Buffalo, 
Brian Daybald really was the offense. Are you concerned at all about a new coaching staff coming in here at the offensive end of Buffalo and maybe taking away a little bit of that punch the team had the last couple of years? I actually viewed um, Dable as a coach uh, specifically for Josh Allen. I called him the Josh Allen whisperer. (laughs) So, yes, that should tell you that I am very, very concerned of uh, what what's going to be going on here. And all well and good. The coach has been in place for Buffalo for a little while. But I just think that there was a little bit more of a relationship between the offensive coordinator Dable and Josh Allen. And so we'll see what kind of moves on. Now, having said that, Dable did say in in the when when he got the new job that, you know, Josh Allen can work with anybody. He's a generational talent. Mm. Sure. Put that put that to, to the test. But it does take a while, Dave, to build your relationship with all of your coaches. And when you bring someone in new and with the start that they've got, this could be a challenge here. We'll see. Yeah, this is a good one on deck tonight. Brock, thank you for this. Enjoy talking to Mike tomorrow, and I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Awesome. Sounds good. That's Brock Richardson. He is our sports reporter. He's also the host of The Neutral Zone. Alex Smythe is here with the National Weather Update. Here is your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Starting in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland, it's mainly sunny and a high of 19. Charlottetown, PEI, a mix of sun and clouds and a high of 22. St. John's, New Brunswick, sunny early this morning, then turning to a mix of sun and cloud with a 30% chance of showers in the afternoon and a high of 23. Quebec City, Quebec, it's a mix of sun and cloud with a 30% chance of thunder showers this afternoon and a high of 25. In Toronto, Ontario, it's mainly sunny and a high of 26. Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, sunny, high of 26 as well. In Brandon, Manitoba, it's cloudy with a chance of rain this morning and wind gusts up to 60 kilometers an hour. And then it will be a mix of sun and cloud and hazy with a high of 23. In Regina, Saskatchewan, it's a mix of sun and clouds, which will clear up later, and it's also hazy with a high of 20. In Lethbridge, Alberta, it's a mix of sun and clouds with a 60% chance of rain and thunderstorms late this morning, with a high of 18. In Red Deer, Alberta, it's sunny this morning with wind gusts up to 50 kilometers an hour and the risk of a thunderstorm this afternoon with a high of 17. In Whitehorse, Yukon, it's mainly sunny, with increasing cloudiness this afternoon and a high of 17. In Kelowna, BC, it's sunny and a high of 22. And finally, in Vancouver, it's mainly sunny and a high of 21. That was your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Thank you very much, Alex. Coming up next, we talk to Sean Priest. He has the inside scoop on Apple's September event. All kinds of new gadgets were announced last night, and Sean has all the insights. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. 
the guys at Double Tap are working their tails off. They're scrounging to bring you broadcasts daily, but every now and then, the technology lords up there on Apple Mountain will hold a September event and send all kinds of new devices rolling down the hill for them to chat about. So let's bring in Sean Priest of Double Tap to discuss what was announced last night by the big fruits. Hey, good morning, Sean. <laughs> good morning. That was an amazing intro. Well done. That was so good. I try. I try. Of course, I should remind <laughs> folks that uh, you can find Double Tap at its new time weekdays and Saturdays at noon Eastern time on AMI-audio. So, Sean, we've got all kinds of devices to talk about here. Let's start with the Apple 14. I know last week oh. you and I were talking about this and kind of maybe mumbling and grumbling, saying, eh, nothing super interesting here. Were, was our was our speculation correct? Anything new to report about the iPhone 14? Ah, oh, the iPhone 14, the pinnacle of smartphone technology. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I... Look, um, the same uh, CPU, the same processor as the iPhone 13 in the uh, A15 Bionic, or whatever they call it. Um, better battery life, a better camera. Do you know what? Everything you would expect from the next evolution not Mm -hmm. iteration let's say you know so it's a little bit of a um in in my mind a little bit disappointing but you know it's what we've come to expect just a little bit of a step up from the iphone 13 saying that though this time uh the weird cryptic invitation motto that they have you know uh, that with each uh, invitation that they send out it comes with a little tagline and most of the time i have no idea what it means even after the event (laughs) but this one was the far out event and um it, it made sense with this one for a couple of reasons but what is across the line on iphone 14s is that rumored satellite connectivity so it's called satellite sos so if you do find yourself in a situation where there's no cell phone coverage you know there's no data connection there is a a emergency sos button that you can uh, connect to a satellite and you can send uh, only text but you can send the you know emergency information of where you are the help that you need and that will get relayed onto the emergency services. And I think that's a really big deal, actually. Like, I, I know, you know how many times are we going to find ourselves in a situation like that, but I think it will happen or does happen more than people think. You know, we're not covered. It's not global coverage. So mm-hmm. there's loads of places where you are not covered. You're not connected to the, you know, to the grid, as it was. And, um, you know, you this may come in really handy. I think There was a rumor that this may just be in the upper end iPhone models, but no, across the board, uh, the iPhone 14, there's the 14 Plus and there's the Pro and there's the Pro Max, um, but all of them feature this satellite SOS connectivity and i think that's that's really cool i remember just a couple of years ago it might have been last year when apple was doing a huge uh, <laughs> advertising blitz for the apple watch safety was one of the things they brought up they were actually playing live calls of people calling for help on their on their apple watch when they took a tumble or were attacked by a bear or lost at sea I'm, i may be that's exaggerating right. a little bit here but you're right sean we may encounter these situations <laughs> once in our lifetime but when we do that's a nice resource to have yeah, absolutely. Yes. And and the, the, the bear story, actually, they did run with that. There was a, a few stories of how the Apple Watch had 
uh, you know, helped people. And, you know, in my own experience, I've used it to call an ambulance before, to call the emergency services when a neighbour of mine had a fall. Mm. And um, it's, it's just so handy. Uh, it, it, yeah, look, it's just so useful. It, it's one of those things you don't, you hope you never have to use. But to have it there, I think it is really cool. Yeah, it's, we need those for our bear scares. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely. Uh, Sean, <laughs> run me through the price tags on uh, these newly released phones. Well, I'm hoping that your little team there can help me out because I seem to have lost my document. But I think it was seven nine nine US dollars starting for the iPhone 14, eight nine nine for the iPhone 14 Plus. Uh, when it comes to the pros, I'm struggling a little bit. I think it was nine 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 US dollars. This is sorry, and ten nine nine for the Pro Max. Okay, we just had confirmation from Eliza Rocco on the other side of the glass, saying you are indeed correct. That memory muscle of yours still tip top oh, shape, Sean. So excellent Thank news you. there. <laughs> the only one that is. <laughs> <laughs> so let we we talked about the Apple Watch before and some advertising blitzes that we saw last year, but we did get the Apple Watch Eight presented last night. So what are we looking at with the Apple Watch Eight and then the rugged version of the Apple Watch Eight that I think we also talked a little bit last week. Yeah, to be honest, all the rumors were pretty much spot on. So, yes, we did get the Series 8. We got three models for the Apple Watch. We had the Series 8 SE, which is the most affordable model. Um, now, this is uh, a little bit like the iPhone SE. You know, it's got the basic performance of the same processor and things as the uh, uh, bigger brother, if you like, the uh, Apple Watch Series 8. But um, it is missing certain aspects. Uh, one of the, the new features of the Series 8 is the body temperature sensor. Uh, this is specifically targeted oh, at... I would, I would break that. I, they would, it would just malfunction <laughs> the phone right away. They'd be like, this guy runs too hot. Exactly right. My my head almost looks like it's going, about to explode. I'm always red in the face of the too hot. But this is specifically targeting... Uh, this is women's health. So this is for menstrual cycle tracking. This is for ovulation tracking. Um, but a, a really useful feature. But that is missing from the iPhone... Uh, sorry, the Apple Watch SE. But again, it's the most affordable option. I really look at the SE as the watch you would get for family members, maybe vulnerable family members, you know, uh, people who, because it, it still has fall detection and it gives the ability on someone's wrist to quickly emergency call you or you get in contact with them. So it is a, a nice affordable option. Uh, then we have the generic, the default, the one in the middle, the Series 8. Uh, as I said, it, the, the standout new sensor is the body temperature, which is really cool. Uh, but it also features now car crash detection which is yeah slightly um slightly sad to talk about but if it if it well apple's like are... apple's like bumming us out with this event last night it's like car crashes <laughs> body temperatures fall detections Bears. bear attacks lost at sea i mean that like what happened to the cool apple you know like this ain't cool it's all safety <laughs> stuff exactly i'm but, buying an I mean, apple but... not a volvo <laughs> Again, though, really useful if you find yourself sadly in that situation. Yes, so if yes. it detects, uh, uh, it can you know, it, it can detect an airbag going off at a sudden stop in G-force, and although it actually listens out as well for the sound of impact using the microphone, it's really clever stuff. So if it does detect a car crash, it will call emergency services and contact whoever. So again, a really cool feature, um, and the the. Rugged version, which we were all, was rumored to be called the Pro, the Apple Watch Pro, was actually called the Apple Watch Ultra. 
but it did come out and um, got to say, a lot of people are really liking this. It is a uh, bigger Apple Watch. It is far more durable. It has an extra button and the buttons and the digital crown are more pronounced uh, for use with when you're wearing gloves. Um, it was very much targeted at, you know, the explorer, the trepid adventure, um, the really active people out there. So not for me at all. Yeah, not for Scuba me Scuba diving, things like that. Yeah, scuba but, diving is where the jellyfish are. The woods are where the bears are. You know, there's nothing <laughs> dangerous in Toronto except people. You're really focused in on those bears. This, uh, my, I like Sean, it. I am. I, I think they there's are. There's a story there. No, I don't want to know. They're all over social media. I don't know why there have been a lot of social media posts about bears recently. Bears walking into people's garages. Bears walking into people's backyards. The bears are doing some recon on us right now, Sean. Well, if you will live in the wilds. I mean, you know, I've got hedgehogs. That's all I've got to worry oh. about here. And Tripping over them. Are those they're pet gorgeous. hedgehogs? Are those pet hedgehogs or just actual like roaming? No, they're not. No. Free range hedgehogs. They're wild. <laughs> they're wild, <laughs> ferocious hedgehogs. In Feral my hedgehogs. Feral. <laughs> anyway, we were talking about. Sorry, sorry. sorry Apple uh, Watch is rugged, rugged. Uh, uh, we were talking about like uh, scuba diving. Like us. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. So it's very much the uh, the sporty, the active, the outdoorsy, the adventure, the explorer. Uh, Apple Watch. But saying that, the battery life is amazing. It's bigger. It uses a new algorithm for uh, power consumption. The battery life is meant to be amazing. And also with the buttons being more pronounced, so we got the dock button, which is actually proud from the Apple Watch. The digital crown is bigger and with uh, deeper grooves. And there is a new action button. There is, a, you could, there is an argument that this actually could be more accessible for some people, um, easier to use, you know, easier to use physical buttons on it, and the battery life is better. So, um, yeah, uh, there's been a bit of interest in that. It does look quite cool. Now, for the prices on these, again, sorry, I've lost my document. Um, but... ah, don't, worry, don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, people know it's expensive. Okay, they, if, they cool. want it, they, if they want it, they'll go search it out. It's, ex it's expensive. It's well pricey. Yeah, we'll go, just leave it as that. Yeah, go spend your money. Go spend your money. Uh, Sean, <laughs> last thought here. Tell me a little bit about yes. what's going on with AirPods. I'll tell you what's going on with AirPods, David. I bought my pair just last week, and then they release the AirPods Pro 2. <laughs> so I'm annoyed. But um, <laughs> yes. So these are just an update. Uh, the, the cool features on this is that they have added a speaker to the charging or the carrying case. So if you do lose that, you can now beep and it will, you're able to find it. I also, like that. I like gives, that. It's a good it, idea. Absolutely. Yes. And the, the it also gives you an audible tone when it's charging or when it needs charging or uh, yeah, the various options. So it gives it a little bit of extra accessibility. You now have the ability, brace yourself now, to change the volume by uh, the touch-sensitive area on the AirPods. You can simply swipe up and swipe down to alter the volume. I know, that's mind-blowing stuff. <laughs> but the noise cancellation is twice as good, and actually, it's already quite impressive on the AirPod Pro, so that is actually really good. But one of the things that really stood out to me was the adaptive transparency mode, which um, the way they showed it off was the, the lady walked into a construction site, and there was a pneumatic drill going on and it automatically toned down the loud noises. So any sudden loud noises, it will take out of your transparent hearing. Um, 
Now, this is not only great for when, you know, someone says hello to me and I don't notice them and I suddenly jump out of my skin, <laughs> yeah, right. which is fantastic. <laughs> but also, I mean, this could have, uh, Stephen brought this up, that this could have great uses for someone who may be on the autistic spectrum, where, you know, the, the sudden and, and loud noises in general could be an issue. And just taking them down, mellowing them down so they're the same volume as the, you know, the passive ambient noise could actually be really useful. So, yeah, they were really cool. Yeah, anything to uh, to, to to mute the volume of the bear roaring at you as as it runs exactly. through the woods. Yes. You know what else is in the woods, Sean? Porcupines. Porcupines are in the woods too, and they also concern well me because they'll stab you with their little spike tail. Uh, Sean, we got to get out of here, but you have a great show today at noon on Double Tap. Oh, thank you very much. I'm scared of bears. I don't want to leave the shed. Yeah, that, that, thank you, you, Dave. You never do. That's Sean, that's Sean Priest <laughs> or Sean of the Shed, also one of the hosts of Double Tap, which you can find daily on AMI-audio at noon Eastern. Another show you can find on AMI-audio is The Pulse, which starts at a new time this week. You can catch The Pulse Thursdays. Hey, that's today at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time. And you can also find episodes on YouTube this week. Joita will speak with blind fashion designer Trisha Wechter, who is the creator of Blind Girl Designs. That's The Pulse, Thursdays at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio. Coming up after the break, Ramya will be here. So will Nizreen. We'll talk about good packing habits as your boy's about to hop on a train this afternoon to beautiful Montreal. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. I went a little bit long talking with Sean Priest about bears and porcupines and jellyfish in a segment that was supposed to be about technology. So we've only got a couple minutes to connect with Ramya Emuthin and Nazreen Abdel-Majid to talk about what's cracking in our lives and some general life advice. So we say good morning to Nazreen and Ramya. Hello, Nazreen. Good morning. And hello, Ramya. Hey, Dave. So, guys... I'm leaving for Montreal in a couple of hours this afternoon, and I have not packed yet. I've not packed for this trip. I have, I have, however, put piled all my potential clothes next to my suitcase. Nazreen, <laughs> when you're planning for a trip, when do you pack? Last minute, early? What's the what's the move? Dave, I get overly excited, so I I tend to pack at least a week before, and it it doesn't end there. I keep unpacking and repacking, unpacking and repacking, just to make sure I I didn't miss anything. And you know, I just get excited about my outfits. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to know, do you roll or fold? Oh, I'm a roller. I need to roll because I'm an yeah. o- I'm an overpacker, which means I definitely need to roll to maximize space in the bag that I'm bringing, especially because I'm going for a wedding. So there's like a suit and a dress shoes and a tie mm. and dress shirts, things that have no other practical purpose on this trip. So uh, there's two pairs of shoes in my bag, my dress shoes and my running shoes. I'll be wearing my loafers. It, 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 it's a whole thing. Ramya, what about you? Are you like Nazreen? Do you pack way in advance? Mm-mm, not even close. In fact, my friends have to constantly check in on me to know exactly when I've actually decided to start packing. Um, I've packed for like two week long trips, three week long trips, uh, the night before, hours before, you know, doing laundry right before I have to. There's just no thinking ahead of time. It's all procrastination for me. And I also fold my clothes, but I pack very minimally. And then I, I don't use a 
term much, but I just YOLO it. You know, if I forget something, I forget something. But um, I don't like carrying. I don't like overpacking, and I don't like checking in luggage. So okay. the, more, the, the less I need to do and the less I need to carry, the better. So Ramya, the underpacker, I am for sure an mm-hmm. overpacker. And Nazreen, I'm getting the impression you also land in the overpacking category. I go in the overpacking category, and when I organize my outfits, I have to match. So I lay them out. So, okay, this outfit, this is the scarf I'm wearing. These are the shoes I'm wearing. These are the jewelry, and I roll it together, and that's how I pack them. And I always pack an outfit or two extra just in case. I'm not feeling the outfit, one of the outfits that I picked, so that's that's the type of person I am. <laughs> not to be too Of course, in- I always... I always use my sister's suitcase to pack the rest of my stuff because that <laughs> okay. doesn't fit. So that's that's beyond overpacking. That's saying you're 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 drifting into somebody else's territory as well. Uh, not to be too intimate about this, but the only thing that I'll like specifically like super duper overpack is underwear because anything else can yeah. sort of be like can sort of be figured out on the fly. But you can't find yourself in a situation mm-hmm. where you're rationing underwear. Mm-hmm. There is no such thing as rationing underwear. But let's move on before I get myself in trouble here. <laughs> but along those lines. What do you guys consider to be the must-bring when you travel? Ramya, you said, if I forget something, I forget something. That's that's it. But there's got to be something that you absolutely double and triple check to make sure is in your bag before you split. Um, It's probably just toiletries. I hate using – like, I hate having to decide uh, or – you know, discover that I left my soap, like the particular oh, soap that yeah. I like using or the toothpaste that I like using or mouthwash or, uh, you know, toothbrush, like that kind of thing. Because, you know, when you're traveling, you feel yucky, right? So I need oh. to have my stuff there to make it feel like home. But everything else I'm really flexible with, except for underwear, like you said. And by the way, just to comment on Nazreen's sharing a suitcase, I do not enjoy sharing my bag with other people. <laughs> I have refused to share my suitcase with others. <laughs> my suitcase is my territory. It's the only thing that I have control yeah. over while I'm on yeah. vacation. You will not cross boundaries Don't touch my bag. as we're crossing borders. <laughs> I feel that. Yeah, Rami, I'm with you. I will also be a little bit uh, anal about making sure I put all the proper. Now, I don't. I probably don't have as many toiletries as you do. But I remember when we landed in Winnipeg for our business trip earlier this year. I opened my bag and right away realized I forgot my toothpaste and had to walk no. to a had to walk to a pharmacy in 35 degree heat in the beating down Ugh. sun, which then got a bunch of clothes sweaty. So then I was behind the game. I was already behind oh, the game on, no. on on my overall clothes sweatiness. So overpacking came in handy there, but I'd forgotten my toothpaste. Although then I just then I just bought everything at the Rexall. I was like, oh, I'll buy some shaving cream while I'm here. Oh, what's a couple <laughs> iced teas on Nutrigrain bars? Yeah, sure. Let's just go spend some money. Dental floss? Why not? Look at this dental floss. It's on sale. Uh, <laughs> Nazreen, what's what's the absolute must bring when you're packing that bag? So random things here. The first thing is charger. Obviously, oh, yeah. all the chargers yeah. in the oh, world, of yeah. course. Yeah. Uh, second thing is uh, medication. Obviously, yep. that's a must yep. have. Yep. And the third thing I would say is snacks. Because I need snacks. to have snacks. Okay. okay. I, I need to have the snacks on the way to the airport. That's the type of person I am. <laughs> I eat my snacks while I'm getting to the airport. I uh, am definitely flirting with whether or not a bottle of tequila is going in my bag for this wedding mm. trip, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see. That's still up in the air, depending on how much stuff I can cram in there. Nazreen, thank you for this. Ramya, don't go anywhere just yet because you're going to tell me. 
what's coming up on Kelly and Company this afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Sorry, I think I just like hiccuped thinking about tequila. Ramya, what's coming up on the show today at 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI Audio? I had to get my hiccups under control before coming on here, by the way. So anyway. (laughs) The struggle. The struggle is real. Exactly. So we're talking about David Best. He's a counselor who has a lot of experience working with blind and low vision uh, community members. And um, we're going to talk about him and his thoughts on coping with disability on our UK Disability Highlights with Fern Lullum. She's really into, you know, the psychological and emotional side of disability. So we're getting into that deep dive today. Uh, Also, community reporter Kim Hovey is taking part in a research study aiming to better understand the... um, experiences of people with lower no vision navigating their built environment and obviously she's joining us from Dawson City Yukon so she's got a lot to say about that and on the round table this week is Becky Zare who's a community reporter on your show now with Dave Brown she's no, going to be joining us No well. she's not anymore, not anymore? she said oh. no more hanging out with Dave Dave's a terrible human oh. I don't like talking to Dave No is she's he? uh she shows? No no she's she working coming on our round table a lot It's it's oh oh now I'm just jealous oh, okay. uh, no she's she's uh she's sp- spending some extra time working on her new podcast her uh, raising kindness yes. with uh, Becky Zare podcast so said she wanted to take a little pause from working with us, but we're going to try to reel her back in uh, in, in the near future because we already miss Becky. It's only been a couple weeks and we already miss okay. Becky. So we're going to let her work on her podcast and then I'm going to start sending uh, really kind messages that will be kind but demanding. Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, my, good luck to you, yeah, former and potentially future <laughs> exactly, revisiting community exactly. reporter. <laughs> Ramya, uh, I will talk to you in the future. I'm away for a couple days. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good trip. That is Ramya Emuthan, the co-host of Kelly and Company, coming your way 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio. Coming up next, BC Hydro has plans to retrofit electric vehicle charging stations to make them more accessible. Sylvia Fiquette will fill you in. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's head out to Vancouver to catch up with content development specialist Sylvie Fiquette, who has some information coming from the Pacific region. Hey, good morning, Sylvie. Good morning, Dave. How are you? I'm well. Always nice to chat with you, Sylvie. We've uh, had a couple opportunities in the last few weeks to talk about BC Disability Employment Month, but it is indeed underway with workshops and discussions going on across the province. And there's a couple events that you wanted to highlight, Sylvie. So tell me a bit about the event that's being offered by BC Peoples First. Yeah, so this is the Entrepreneurship and Disabled Small Business Ownership in BC, and they'll be hosting an online panel discussion on Thursday, September 22nd from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Pacific time. It's a free event. Panelists will be speaking about their experiences as small business owners in BC, including tips, advice, and resources. If you'd like to join the panel of experienced self-advocates for stories, advice, and a live Q&A on the challenges and solutions people have found to starting and running their own business, you'll want to um, definitely check this one out. Where should somebody go if they do want to sign up for it? 
Yeah, so people will want to go to, um, they can visit the BC People First Facebook page for the link. There's quite a lengthy Eventbrite link with BCPF <laughs> panel. I don't know if I should read it. No, I no, think no, people... we'll, be, we'll be here all day if we have to read out the whole, if the whole link. Right. So I just think I urge people, um, it, this is... This group, since the inception of BC Disability Month, disability owners have indicated they haven't been historic, They or actually they've historically been left out of this month and are now looking to flip the script with this group. So you'd like to check out these people for sure if you're interested. So BC People's First, punch that into your search right. bar on Facebook, punch that into your, into your Google machine, BC People's First, and then they'll direct you in the right way. And maybe we can get that... that event bright link up on our blog after the show as well ami.ca slash now sylvie you also mentioned that work bc has a virtual events coming up later this month what does work bc have on tap Yes. So on Monday, September 26th, from 2 to 3.30 p.m., Work BC Vancouver South, North Vancouver and Tri-Cities will be hosting a free virtual panel discussion for Vancouver-based job seekers who have a disability. You'll hear from a panel of businesses who have been recognized in the community for hiring job seekers with disabilities. The discussion will include hiring processes, the accommodations made for staff, and more. You can register um, or register by September 25th, again online. This one is 2022 Inclusive Workplace Panel, a little bit shorter. So check them out as well. Sylvie, let's jump into another story that I know caught your attention. It caught my attention earlier this week as well. BC Hydro has announced that they're going to be retrofitting electric vehicle charging stations to improve disability access for individuals. What were some of the barriers that were currently existing at EV charging stations? Yeah, so there's a story behind this. This appeared in The Sun last week. Dave and um, the the person behind it is Jacques Corteau, a wheelchair user and Tesla driver, and he says very little thought has gone into EV charging stations when it comes to disability access. Corto over the past few years has been leading the charge to have changes made now before all cars on the road go electric. Uh, Corto said that there's no end to the challenges uh, drivers who use wheelchairs face at these stations. Everything from cables being placed too high to chargers being set up on slopes. There are issues beyond just the high cables. These are really also very heavy and charging stations usually don't have a disability parking spot. So someone who is a wheelchair user um, and they pull up, they may not even be able to get out of their car to mm -hmm. um, get into their wheelchair to access the charging station. Sylvie, sometimes all you can do is laugh at these situations, not because you're trying to mock someone, but simply because every time we seem to make any progress technologically in this world, the infrastructure is never ready for disability. We're perpetually behind the eight ball with every single change. And I suppose that instead of laughing, I can only cry. But sometimes we need to just sort of be like, come on, come on, come on. Can we never figure this out? Can nobody ever think forwardly? But to BC Hydro's credit, they're working on this. So what are they doing to address the issues at the stations? 
You're so right, Dave. How many of these stories have we done? It's like perpetual. It's like, oh, social media company gets uh, puts an update out. Oh, it's not accessible. Oh, we've got a new computer. Oh, it's not accessible. Oh, we've got 3D printers. No, it's not accessible. It's like just perpetual, perpetual, perpetual. But sorry, Sylvia, I don't mean to steal your thunder. No, it really is. So BC Hydro has committed or they're saying that they'll be retrofitting all EV charging stations to be fully accessible over the next three years and will ensure all sites within its electric vehicle fast charging network are designed for all drivers to access. So under the new plan or under the plan, all new fast charging sites will be designed to be barrier free. They're saying this will include wider parking stalls, paved access, lowered chargers, wider protective bollards, improved lighting, and better signage, according to BC Hydro. So let's hope this goes about. They're committed to it, and um, they're actually encouraging all hardware vendors to continue improving features on their equipment to make it more accessible by Mm. lowering screens and cable management systems. Yeah, there's about to be a major blitz of investment here, not just in terms of the regulation that's going to be putting more electric vehicles on the road. There's going to be a blitz of infrastructure building going on across the country. So yes, this is super frustrating in this moment, but hopefully now that sort of any tender that goes out is going to have these new standards in place. And that's what it always comes down to. We have to develop standards. We have to implement standards. We have to build regulations because it seems like people are not capable of doing it themselves. Sylvie, on that super happy note, I wish you a wonderful day and a lovely weekend. Same to you, Dave. Have a great weekend. (laughs) That's Sylvie Paquette, a content development specialist for us in British Columbia with the Pacific Regional Report. There were a couple links there that, again, maybe might have been a little tough to jot down or keep track of as we were reading them in real time. AMI.ca slash now. AMI.ca slash now is where you can go to find out more. That's all the time we have for the show today. I'm not going to be back tomorrow. I'm going to be in beautiful Montreal, Quebec for the first time since February of 2020. My old hometown, I gotta go check it out, see what's up. Going to a wedding in cottage country this weekend. My suit fits. I got a straw hat delivered to me yesterday so I won't get a sunburn on my beautiful face. But I'll be back on Tuesday. In the meantime, Mike Ross will fill in for me tomorrow and Monday. So until you hang out with him and until we meet again, I'm Dave Brown reminding you to play safe, play fair, but don't forget to have some fun. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.